Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy. And I'm here with my first cup of coffee, which isn't quite poured yet. I am kind of ahead of myself here. <laughs> I was gathering up all of my things from the kitchen counter to carry them back to my chair so I could talk to you all. Picked up my coffee cup and realized I had not poured the milk into it. I would have gotten a big swallow of straight up espresso. And while I do drink it that way sometimes, and it is delightful, it might have been a little shock to the system. I went to bed out of order this morning because I already compiled all of my vitamins for the day. I have to put them all in a tin so I remember to take them at my various meals and so forth. So today is Monday, February 20th. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been like the record scratch sound, but I'm not good at imitating noises. Uh, it is Monday, February 10th. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I was starting to try to say something else there. It sounded like 25th, didn't it? Uh, definitely way ahead of myself. I could use those two weeks, so we're not doing that. It's a... Uh, Kind of a stormy morning here. It's not doing anything yet, but it is overcast. And it's supposed to, we're supposed to get maybe a lot of snow tonight. Apparently, this is two storms. We have one this morning that's going to be a little bit of sprinkles of snow and overcast. And then they said it'll briefly clear this afternoon. And then we're getting a backdoor cold front. We've, I guess we're getting two meeting, one from the north and one from the I don't know, another direction, another direction that's not north. It might be Pacific because it feels very, very wet. So that would be west. Um, but they're saying we might get locally eight inches in places. New Mexico is funny that way. I don't recall. I mean, I know that growing up in Denver, they would talk about different parts of the city getting different amounts. Oh, that's hot. Tasty, though. I've switched off of half and half and gone to 2%. So I decided I didn't need to be drinking that much cream, delicious as it was, especially doing carbs at the same time. Always a balance. But New Mexico is interesting in that the where the precipitation falls is is hugely patchy. And maybe a meteorologist could tell me if this is um, true everywhere or if it's particularly noticeable when you live in the desert. That might, It might be the latter. So I know that's like up at um, Bandelier National Monument, which is a great place to visit if you come to Santa Fe. There are cliff dwellings there that you can climb up in, which is unusual. In a lot of places you can't climb up in them. But at Bandelier, you can. And there's, um, I'm trying to describe how to, how to describe this, how to decide how to describe. I'm not articulate this morning. I wonder what my deal is. Uh, there is a big cliff face that essentially faces south and catches a lot of the warmth. And then there is a, a valley, a basin that's fairly enclosed. So it's not huge, but it's a, it's a good size. And apparently the people who live there, according to the informational signs, from whence all knowledge springs, they would farm all across that valley. 
and they would scatter their crops in different places in the valley to take advantage of the patchy rainfall. So, you know it's a thing, right? <laughs> but I don't know if that's an atmospheric thing or what. And probably I didn't need to spend that much time discussing it. Anyway, um, with our snowfall, we might get one inch, we might get eight inches. Personally, I'm voting for eight. I always like a, a nice deep snow. So I sent off my teaser pages to editor Jenny this morning. It is essentially the first chapter of The Promised Queen. Um, Kelly Robson already said good morning to me, and she asked me how I felt about them, and I'm, I'm having a hard time describing how I feel about them. I think it works fine. I think they're good teaser pages. They should um, you know, give you guys an idea of where the next book will go. It should arouse some interest, so that's the whole point. But, um, yeah, it just feels like like I still have most of the book to write, you know. it's <clears throat> Obviously, that's like 3,000 words there, and, and I worry that it'll change. But you all will know. You all will be in on it. When the final book comes out, you can see, and you can... Um, I don't know, way in. <laughs> It'll be an interesting experiment. And who knows, maybe Jenny will go, eh, this isn't really working. We shall see, won't we? I, I think it just feels, it feels unfinished to me. I think that may be the feeling I'm trying to identify here, which obviously it is unfinished. So I'm just going to have to uh, take deep breaths and be zen about it. <clears throat> or be Taoist about it. I've been making notes on things I want to tweak in my presentation on being a Taoist and surviving the publishing industry that I'm going to be doing for NEC RWA next Sunday. So that'll be a um, it'll be fun to add some things to that. I think it it definitely is a a timely talk and certainly useful. And I know you guys get smatterings of the Taoist philosophy here. It's not something I talk about tons because Taoism feels like such a personal thing. It is very personal and individual. And <clears throat> not always in line with how society views things, which is part of the point also. So let's see. I finished both Aurora Blazing by Jesse Mihalik, and then I went back and read Polaris Rising, which I had read um, very early on, because Jesse and I share the same agent, Agent Sarah. And Sarah had sent me Jesse's manuscript to blurb many moons ago. And it was still the, I think it was even like a pre-arc version. And I had given Sarah a few points of feedback if Jesse was interested, a few things that I thought could be tweaked. And I was interested to see how she, if what she had done. And the book is on sale on Kindle for $1.99 now. So I thought, ah, I'll buy it, support Jesse. And I just enjoyed the hell out of reading those books. I, that was just great. 
I finished Aurora Blazing and turned around and read Polaris Rising again, and she really had tightened it up, and it was, um, yeah, just a terrific book. Terrific. And I'm excited for the third book for Chaos Reigning coming out in May, and we'll get to do our event together. And now I have moved to J.D. Robb's Golden and Death. So that is, uh, that's always just sort of like the, uh, you know, sort of coming home 50th book in that series. Nora Roberts, what an, am what an amazing woman she is. And I had a Saturday went down to Lyra and talked all the way down uh, with uh, Marcella Bernard, who I've mentioned from time to time. I've known Marcella a really long time now, um, more than 10 years. We've been critiquing each other's work. And she had sent me some early thoughts on the fate of the Tala, which were incredibly helpful, and then had sent me a, a manuscript and said that she just didn't know what she was doing with it. And so I had been reading that, and I was frankly struggling with the manuscript. Um, I got 25% through, and I thought, this is not working. And she had asked me, she said she wanted to know, is it even worth working on? And so I was spent a lot of time thinking about why wasn't it working for me? Because normally I love Marcella's books. And I was like, eh. And, you know, you hate to do that. You hate to tell somebody, oh, well, no. <laughs> it's a no. Um, but, you know, she's a real professional. And so we had a terrific conversation. We talked about RWA stuff quite a bit because that's how she and I met is through RWA and through the uh, Fantasy Futuristic and Paranormal online chapter. So And we caught up on each other's lives because we haven't talked in a while. But it was interesting when I explained to her what I thought she needed to do with the book. I came back to that she, I was saying it was way too cross-genre. And, and I'm coming back to this idea that, that Mary Robinette Cole brought up in that panel we did at Nebula Conference last spring, and she and I talked about again the other day, which is that science fiction and fantasy is a genre, our genres, is our, um, do not have an inherent structure. We talk about things like the hero's journey, but there is not a structure you can point to that you can say, this is the structure of a fantasy novel. This is the structure of a science fiction novel. And, and I'll, I challenge you all to try this because once you think of one, you can think of an exception. Because Mary Robinette's argument, and I'm really coming around to her line of thinking, is that science fiction and fantasy are settings. They are ambiance, they are themes that are imposed or layered into other genre structures. So one that we are very familiar with in movies, the action-adventure movie, which is, um, or the science fiction movie, which is an action-adventure. It's an action-adventure plot line with science fiction um, elements. A lot of science fiction and fantasy novels use various kinds of structures. They use a literary 
structure, which is kind of the slice of life um, character transformation type structure, mystery, thriller, action adventure, romance. All of those genres have very defined structures. And then the the setting, whether or not it's in a futuristic world, whether it's on a spaceship, whether it's post-apocalyptic, whether it's located in an alternate world fantasy, um, whether there's magic, whether it's our contemporary world with magic, all of those things are setting. All of those things are elements and themes, but they are not the structure. So I, I was trying to explain this to Marcella, and she and of course, it's a shorthand. It's easier if you spend a lot of time talking about, okay, what is the structure of a science fiction or a fantasy novel? And then you finally figure out there isn't one, which I just skipped with you guys also. But if you come back around to this, like I was trying to explain to Marcella, she caught up real fast. And she said, so you're saying what I should do is structure this like a romance novel and then let the other elements come in. And I said, I think so. I said, I think if, if it's a romance novel, I said, I don't know if it's a romance novel or a spy novel, and that's part of the problem. And she sighed, and she said, yeah. And I said, you know, maybe it needs to be structured like a romantic suspense, which I think is not so cross-genre after all. Um, so I'm starting to rethink my use of the term cross-genre is what this all comes around to. Well. It's a really interesting way of viewing things. And, you know, very often the, you know, maybe I don't know if fairy tale, we could consider that to be a story structure. Maybe, maybe you'd call it something else. But yeah, a lot of what people consider, you know, like you guys have heard my beef saying that, you know, when people say, well, when I think fantasy, I think Tolkien. Well, you know, Tolkien's books are all quest stories, right? They they are hero's journey. They are a quest. Um, I'm not sure if we would call that a particular genre or not. But not all fantasy novels are structured like Tolkien. Um, mine certainly aren't. And I, I'm really wanting to get away from the idea that just because there's a romance structure doesn't mean that's not fantasy in the same way that just because there's a mystery structure or a thriller structure, um, you know, like The Martian. The Martian is basically a, a thriller structure, right, with science fiction elements. We could keep doing this all day. And I won't because I need to go get to work on The Promised Queen. But, and I know I had other things to say, but I yeah, I don't find the notes anywhere. <laughs> and that's enough for today. So I hope that uh, Monday is kicking off a good week for you all. First Cup of Coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you will find other podcasts, some that you may love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.